Hi, I'm Dave Bushong, KZ1O, and this is 99hobbies.com. Tonight I had a great conversation with Joe Fairclough, WB2JKJ of the Radio Club, actually the president of the Radio Club of Junior High School number 22 in New York City. They call themselves Crew 22. Um, this podcast goes quite a bit long. It's um, 30, 35 minutes, and I was going to break it up into two pieces, but I just didn't want to disturb the momentum. This was a, just a really fun conversation, and I hope that it doesn't uh, stretch out your commute too much. I have Joe Fairclough on the phone, WB2JKJ. Hi, Joe. How are you? Hi, Dave. I'm doing just fine. How's about you? Uh, good. I'm glad we could uh, get together and talk this evening. Um, you You've been uh, running ads in some of my favorite ham radio magazines about the uh, radio club at the junior high school for years and years, and I, this is my first chance to find out uh, some of the details. Can you, can you tell me a little bit about the history of the club? Oh, I would just love to. The Radio Club of Junior High School 22, New York City, the Big Apple's largest ham radio club and the nation's only full-time group working to get amateur radio in schools around the country as a theme for teaching. <clears throat> and we're going to start with you right at the beginning. And uh, bring you up to the present day. How's that? That's great. All right. So we'll really start at the beginning. In 1962, (laughs) when I was in junior high school uh, in the seventh grade, uh, myself and a group of uh, my friends were very involved with CB radio. We thought CB radio was just so cool. We had lots of uh, CB places like Lafayette Radio out mm-hmm. in Jamaica, Queens, and we had Harrison, and we had Gem Electronics on Queens Boulevard. And I went to junior high school, by the way, mm-hmm. in a place called Russell Sage in Forest Hills. So anyway, we, uh, we got an HE15A, and oh, it was, it was just like seventh heaven. I lived on the sixth floor of, a, uh, of an apartment building in a place called Kew Gardens, Queens. That's where I grew up. And uh, with a bass-loaded whip, oh, I could talk to all my friends that I spent most of the day with in junior high school. Until one day, we started talking about this in school, and we had a shop teacher. And back in those days, New York City schools featured shop classes, which is sadly, in my opinion, a thing of the past. We had electric shop, we had printing shop, we had metal shop. We had all these different shops that everybody got to hit one of these shops as they went through uh, junior high school. Mm-hmm. So we, at that time, we had electric shop, and our electric shop teacher was a fellow by the name of Norm Weingrow. And Norm, little did we know at the time, was a ham. And he heard us talking about CB because, oh, we thought, like we said, we were just doing the greatest thing talking all over the place on CB. And he says, you know what? You're a bunch of, a bunch of morons. <laughs> Back then, you could say that. And, and, and basically, my friend Brian said, why, Mr. Weingrow? He says, well, because if you like that, you'd really love ham radio. And we said, yeah, no kidding. And I, in back in the, a year before this, in the sixth grade, Santa Claus brought me a Helicrafter's S120. Mm. And I was listening every day, even in elementary school, to hams on 20 meters, not really knowing what I was listening to, but knowing I wanted to be one. So lo and behold, this teacher shows up in the seventh grade, uh, Norm, and he, he, he introduces us to the wonderful world of amateur radio. He says, each one of you, I won't repeat that, what he said, because then again, you can say those things in New York City schools. I'm going to get your ham radio licenses. And we said, That's, that is so great. So my CB call was 2Q1621, which we rapidly turned in 
1962 for WB2JKJ. Mm-hmm. I got my tech license, my friend Brian and Howard and uh, there's three others, like Stephen and David, and the last one I can't think of. We all got our ham licenses. We got tech. We got technician class license, and we went immediately to six meter AM. And I tell you, if you think CB was fun, six meter. We had it was it was great. Uh, we went to six meter AM. My first radio was a Clegg ninety nine. Everybody else in the crew pretty much got the same thing, and we were on six meter AM. The only drawback was I told you earlier that I grew up in a six story apartment building, and we, I had a three element hilltop of beam. That fit right in with all the TV antennas, except except the neighbors found out. My poor parents, when I think back, what they went through with TVI, with <laughs> six meter AM, with other ninety other families in the same building. Believe me, it was no picnic, but they put up with it. Anyway, that was my beginnings in amateur radio, and every day, I can honestly say, every day since 1962, we've made at least one contact somewhere on some band. Oh, that's awesome. I went on to Richmond Hill High School where we had a, where actually I started a ham radio club. Little did I know, actually the only way I find that found it out was you could, back in those days it was okay to carve your name in desks or whatever else you wanted to carve in. <laughs> so I caught, carved in my call letters. The next day I get there, there's a K2 call under my call saying, you're a ham, you sit here? This is carved <laughs> in a wooden desk, no less. So I met this K, turns out to be a girl. Met her, and lo and behold, the Richmond High School Amateur Radio Club was born. And we had uh, just a wonderful time in high school. I went on to college at Long Island University in downtown Brooklyn. And uh, naturally wanted wanted to do ham radio there. And uh, turned out that Long Island University downtown Brooklyn in in the 60s was just loaded with hammies. Uh, We found each other. We also found out that our biology professor, Dr. Furiola, was WA2. I forget what. He's long gone, silent key. But what a wonderful person. If you remember, do you remember the blackout in the, in the 60s? Oh, sure. The lights went out from Canada to Florida? Absolutely, yeah. Okay. We were, te- we were on the 11th floor of LIU taking a biology final. Thank God the lights went out because I would still be in LIU taking that final. <laughs> It was it was it was terrible, but the lights went out. He was the teacher. Thanks to thanks to the ham being the club advisor, uh, we managed to get out of biology finally and graduate from LIU. But while we were at LIU, the interesting part of that is we had a Johnson Viking Ranger and some big old national, and uh, Dr. Firiola approached the the folks at LIU and said he wanted to start a ham radio club because he realized he had interest. And myself and a guy by the name of Artie Kaufman, who's still a ham, and I can't remember his call, and, and, and several others. And they gave us the projection room of the old Brooklyn Fox. For all you people listening out there from Brooklyn, you know the Brooklyn Fox. Murray the K was across the street, and the submarine race watches from the WMCA good guys used to do their shows from the Brooklyn Fox. Well, that was turned into a school. And we got the projection room. We also had the job of cleaning out the projection room. When I think of the stuff, the old movie posters and the old movie this and that that we threw out today, it's it's heartbreaking. But anyway, it all went out, and that became our amateur radio club station. So I went to LIU, and I did that, and, oh, it was just delightful. It, was, it, it, got, it got through college. Everybody was out protesting and doing whatever, and we were on 20 meters calling CQ 1 a.m. It was, it, was it was just great days. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, 
graduated from LIU, and uh, we had a choice of being a soldier or being a school teacher. We took school teacher. The only difference was they didn't give us a gun. When I became a school teacher in uh, 1968, I went off to a place called Franklin K. Lane. Again, for you Brooklyn people, you all know Franklin K. Lane. Well, it was wild days in the Big Apple back then. And we stayed at Franklin K. Lane for two years until our mayor, uh, A. Beam, decided that the city was bankrupt and all the teachers who were in unnecessary subjects were going to get excessed, which is a really a nice term for fired, but they, they don't say that about teachers. Well, my my area was marketing. I graduated from LIU with a master's, uh, with an MBA in marketing and a BA in marketing. So I was supposed to be teaching business subjects. Well, business teachers were expendable, so we got we got uh, accessed. I went on to that summer of saying, wow, this is really not a good thing. Here we are with an MBA and a BA, and we're unemployed, and I, I did this, and I did that, and I did the other thing. Came September, they said, well, if you want to come back to teaching, all you have to do is call a school and find a position. Nobody helped you in those days. So I called around and called around, and lo and behold, I found Junior High School 22 on the Lower East Side of Manhattan, which was back then is not like it was today. It was a place like you, you couldn't believe. So uh, I went to junior high school 22 for an interview, and uh, the guy that interviewed me says, so what do you do? I said, so I teach business subjects in high school. He says, really? He says, well, we don't have business subjects in junior high school. He says, can you type? I says, yeah, I can type. I took it in ninth grade. He goes, good, you're a typing teacher. <laughs> so we went from uh, 1970 to about 1973, I believe, as a typing teacher. And then, same thing, happened all over again. So he went bankrupt, and, uh, and uh, all the unnecessary people were getting excess. Well, we, here we go through the same routine all over again. But junior high school, 22, for whatever reason, they said, you know what? We'll find something else. So I said, yeah, what are you going to find? And, that, and, and we had a new principal at that point, Jack Levine, who's also long since checked out. Uh, Jack says, and I'll never forget this, he says, so you're a typing teacher? I says, yeah. So he says, what else do you do? I says, what do you want me to do? He says, well, do you, what language do you speak? I says, you're kidding, right? He says, no, you speak English? I said, yeah. He says, good, you're an English teacher. <laughs> <laughs> I says, you know, because I can speak it don't mean I can do it. So he says, well, you are, and that's it. So 1973, I became an English teacher, knowing absolutely nothing, having no training whatsoever in teaching English or what to do or whatever. It was, it was, it was nightmarish. I mean, it was horrible. I had kids in those days, when you told them about Dick and Jane and Spot, they'd rather, they'd rather shoot Spot and eat them than see them. I mean, they, they, <laughs> nobody, nobody, including me, was having a good time in that classroom. So I thought to myself, you know, there's got to be a way to get kids excited and interested in coming into this place. So this took a while to, 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 for me to figure this out, but somewhere around 1977, give or take, I sat down and I said, you know, every day I make contacts on ham radio. I'm never bored and I'm never... I'm, I'm always excited and I'm always interested and there's always something happening and it's, it's, it's just delightful. How about we write curriculum using ham radio as a theme, as a theme to teach. So I tried it. And I sat and I wrote and I wrote and I wrote and I wrote and I wrote. 
Well, anyway, lots of interruptions, babies and what have you came along in between. By the time we got to around the end of 19, well, not the end, but the beginning, the middle of 1979, I approached Mr. Levine again. I said, listen, Jack, I got such a deal for you. I got a way to teach English to these kids who hate it, who would ra- who are fighting to get out rather than get in, to get them in here, get them happy. It's not going to cost you a nickel. We're going to do it ourselves. We're going to get this thing going. We're going to use ham radio. He says, can we use what? I said, ham radio. Is ham like pig? I said, no, it's a, it's a difference. I had no clue. I had no idea what I'm talking about. Try and explain ham radio to somebody who's, who has no idea about ham radio. It's mm-hmm. not an easy thing without videos in those days. And you yeah, know, that's true. This, this is 79, don't forget. So uh, he says, you know, what would you say was going to cost me? I said, it's not going to cost you a thing. He says, good, you go do it. You, you, whatever it is, you do it, and you're telling me that we're not going to have any problems, everybody's going to be happy, and it's not going to be, you know, I mean, this was a case of more crowd control and teaching anything in those days. So I said, that's it, they're going to be breaking down the door to get in <laughs> and get out. And I really, you know, didn't know because nobody knew. But I had the curriculum, I presented it to them, he read it, he looked at it, he says, you know, the only way we can do this has got to go to the, the, uh, the superintendent. So Bernie Mecklowitz, the superintendent, he says, hand me what? I said, we went through the whole routine all over again. I had to sit down with him. And, uh, and from the superintendent, I had to go to the chancellor. Well, you don't get to the chancellor unless you go through all these different people. I said, we're going to use Morse code. He says, Morse code? He lives on 3rd Street. I says, no, Bernie, Morse code, like dit and da. He says, what'd you say to me? I says, dit, forget about what I said to you. I explained to him, Morse code, it's another language. They're going to learn this, they're going to learn that. He says, oh, you're going to love it. So he looks at it, and I called it Education Through Communication. Educom is mm-hmm. what we called it back in 79. Educom, by the way, is what we call it today. So he looked, and he read, and he liked it, and he presented to the chancellor, whose name I can't remember at the time. Lo and behold, the thing is approved. 1980, we've got New York City stamp of approval, education through communication. Well, when I returned in September that year, Jack says, we got a class for you. We got it. You got it. You got it. And and by that time, we had a standard SR-146A two-meter transceiver, and I brought in my own TS-520. And uh, we put up a Western Electronics, who's, I think they're out of business now, but it was a great thing, a Western Electronics dipole on the roof. And we were, uh, as I said, junior high school 22, for the, probably somebody listening knows it, but a lot of you probably don't. It was about six blocks north of the, where the World Trade Center used to be, and right down the street from the UN, and, and on the Lower East Side of Manhattan, just off the East River. Hmm. So we strung that dipole up there, we had our 520, and we were ready. What they didn't tell me <laughs> was that my class was going to be made up of 30 children. It couldn't be, they would have liked it to be 90, but there was a, a, a limit. You couldn't have more than 30 kids in a room, thank God, uh, which the union got for us. So they said, you're going to get 30 kids. Now, in junior high school, you know, there's, there's periods they go from class to class. Mm-hmm. Well, he says, by the way, you're going to work a little differently. You're going to have the same kids from 9 to 3. <laughs> oh. He says, what? He says, yeah, because you're doing something special. You're going to teach English, then the other teachers will come in. Now, ask yourself, why is this? The 30 kids that I got were the 30 kids that were constantly suspended, constantly in trouble, constantly 
just constantly. I said, are you kidding me? And then he read off the names. I knew some of these names. These were kids. This is when you could leave people back. These were kids that did the seventh grade three times. Not because they were stupid, because they were nuts, because they did things that uh, were off the wall. So I says, thanks a lot. I says, you know, this is not going to be an easy thing. Well, you want to do it or you don't want to do it? Well, the answer was obviously I wanted to do it. So my job was to do the English component and also stay in the room as the other teachers traveled to come in to see them and what have you. Well, P.S. Turned out I wound up doing a lot more than English that first year and that second year, and it worked. It worked with these kids. It worked so well with these kids that literally these were kids that you couldn't, a true office couldn't drag them off the street to get into school. These kids were coming in early and leaving late just to operate ham radio. Oh, that's incredible. And I have to tell you, the ham radio operators out there were the most magnificent, most wonderful, most fantastic group of patient, great people that you could ever ask for. Don't forget, here we are, and if you remember those years, you know, the bands were great, the bands were loaded all day long. It's not like today. Uh, it was, there was so much activity. Well, anyway, it worked with these kids. It worked so well that nobody could believe it. It worked so well that at the end of the second year, uh, we got all, all, this was 1982, 83, I don't exactly remember the right time frame, but anyway, it worked, and it worked great, and it became a regular part of everybody's day, where after two years, these kids went on, and I became a regular English teacher again, but using ham radio as a theme to teach, and what we did was we built a Disneyland of amateur radio. We taught them their Morse code at the beginning of the term, which is something we still do today. Get them to where they can get their spelling and their vocabulary in CW. Novice Handbook, and then it was a Novice Handbook. Now, of course, it's a different book. was our text. We got our, our reading assignments out of it. Our reading assignments also came out of World Radio, which was the greatest because it had pictures of real people. It wasn't too complicated. It was interesting. And CQ and QST and 73 and, uh, of course, not around anymore. And, 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 and several other publications. We had uh, ham clubs which would send in their, uh, their uh, newsletter which we would reproduce and hand out. It, it was just unbelievable. Covering everything, covering all the required the letter writing, uh, we did business letters. We, we must have written thousands of imaginary business letters to MFJ, ordering different products, ordering this. We must have, over the course of those years, we must have written countless thousands of, of imaginary business letters to MFJ and to ICOM and to Kenwood and to, to who knows whoever, ordering things. And this was the exact, the exact curriculum that New York City required, except we did it with the theme of ham radio. <laughs> that's very creative. I'm sorry? I said that's very uh, creative to do it that way. That's it was uh, incredible. Very, very clever. It was inc- because here's kids, here's kids. Everybody got their own copy of World Radio. Everybody got their own copy of QST to, to take home and to read and to show their parents and their big brothers and their little sisters and their parole officer and whatever. They all, they all got this stuff. And here we are in class, we're writing these imaginary letters, which is something, you, you know, you have to learn how to write a business letter in the seventh grade, and so on. Well, it, it was just unbelievable. I mean, when I tell you, and the radio was always good, radio never shut off. We ran, 
and to this day we do the same thing. We run two nets, and I'm going to talk about more about that in a minute. Mm-hmm. But uh, in those days, we con- we concentrated on 21.395. Everything was pretty much 15 meters, and we were, we were pretty well known on 21.395 all over the world. It was later on, probably in the mid-80s, that we moved to 40 meters, 7.238, probably around 85, give or take. But again, that something I'm going to touch on a little bit later. Anyway, we had these two frequencies. We could have just as well been crystal control. Who needed VFO? We never moved. Uh, we were on 40, 72.38. We were on 15, 21.395. The entire world knew it. We had, when I tell you, we had the president of the Tel Aviv Ham Radio Club make a personal appearance and a visit in our classroom when he visited his daughter in New York. The kids, you couldn't believe it. Uh, we had uh, CNN came in. We had the local, we had CBS. We had, we have a tape of this, by the way, uh, of all these different interviews and all these different uh, news stories that were done because nobody ever did anything like this. Nobody anywhere ever did anything like this. We had a connection with the Huntsville Amateur Radio Club. Uh, took one of our kids, Robert Silva. Robert Silva came to me in the seventh grade, a kid who you couldn't get to school with a time bomb. I mean, you couldn't get this kid to school. Uh, he he became KB2. He became KB2 DGI. Don't go insane. It was it was absolutely a perfect call for this kid, but he got a better luck of the draw. Anyway, he came to me in the seventh grade. Came to me uh, hating school, hating this, hating whatever. P.S. By the time he got to the ninth grade, he had his ham radio call. He was passing everything. He went on to uh, Seward Park, went on to Seward Park High School, Lower East Side, never missed a day of school, was never late, and never absent for his 10th, 11th, and 12th grade. Because the deal was, before Seward Park, he would come in to me, operate on the 40-meter classroom net, leave in time to get to Seward Park on time, and then return after school three or four days a week to operate more ham radio at 3 o'clock. He was one of two kids in the entire city of New York when he graduated. David Dinkins, the mayor at the time, came to the Seward Park graduation, presented this kid with a with a uh, special certificate. I mean, I think about it. Never absent, never late. I mean, we're talking snowstorms, craziness, bombs, this, that, whatever. This kid always made it to school. That, that is such a good story. Yeah, and uh, went on to uh, went on to the HEOP program at LIU because the guy that ran and HEOP was higher educational something I can't remember. Uh, went to LIU and he's now working for Blockbuster has a wonderful job in Blockbuster in San Juan. So if you ever get to San Juan, you want a movie, we have a we got a connection for you. <laughs> okay, um, it, it's an incredible story. But I could tell you. I could go on with stories about individual children who are now old people, and I'm still in contact with to this day. Some, on, some actually, believe it or not, on a weekly basis. I'd like to tell you about Stephen. Uh, how, how am I doing on time here? Yeah, we're doing fine. Don't worry. Okay. I'd like to tell you about uh, another, another uh, one of our young people, Stephen, KB2, and I can't remember it off the top of my head right now, but uh, Stephen's the same story. Uh, Came to me in the came to me in the eighth grade. Was not particularly enamored with junior high school. Uh, came in came into us and uh, was taken with ham radio. 
I mean, it was absolutely taken with ham radio. And the deal was, of course, obviously, if you want to if you want to do ham radio and you want Educom, then you've got to you know not do anything strange in any other class of the school. Well, anyway, Stephen did great. Stephen did. Stephen did beyond great. Uh, he went to the ninth grade, and in the ninth grade, I have to say thank you to the Knoxville, Tennessee Amateur Radio Club because they invited Stephen and another one of our people, uh, Nicole, uh, KB2GGW, Nicole Santiago, uh, to the Knoxville Ham Fest because they did so well. They were so impressed with these kids operating on the air every day. The Knoxville Ham Radio Club. Uh, Invited them down to the Knoxville Ham Fest, took them to Dollywood, took them here, took them there, took them everywhere, and showed them a wonderful time down there in the Rocky Top State. I, of course, accompanied them. We flew down. We flew back. These kids' lives would change forever. Uh, thanks, thanks to Ham Radio. Thanks to the people in Knoxville. And thanks to all the wonderful other hams out there that worked these kids on 21395. <laughs> Stephen did the 8th and ninth grade, went on to... Uh, Went on to high school in the city, graduated from high school. Well, in high school, again, same story, returned to operate ham radio. Uh, this was after the Knoxville Ham Fest. Uh, went on to LIU, same story as Robert. He up program, did, got his associate's degree. Uh, went on to become the uh, fire marshal for Virgin Atlantic Records on Broadway when they had that Virgin Atlantic megastore, which I believe is gone. His thing was, he, he was always wanted to get into, you know, public safety, what have you. And I told him, you know, Stephen, you should be a cop. So he took the test for the New York City Police Department. Lo and behold, our, our, our little friend Stephen is now a New York City policeman, the 43rd in the Bronx, keeping the city safe. He's working uh, for the last six months undercover doing all sorts of exciting stuff I get a call at least twice a week during the classroom that when I put him on the air when he tells what he's done and I hear all the crazy stories of what happened the night before in the Bronx so here's a kid whose life was forever changed for the good thanks to the thanks to the, the magic of amateur radio so these are people that weren't really interested in education or at or all school whatsoever or, no yeah. way Jose no these were, these were people that hated school and got into school thanks to Educom. Ham, ham radio was a catalyst that got them yeah. interested and, in and learning. And these kids that I'm talking about happen to get their ham licenses. There's another million who didn't. That's okay. We never, we never, we never forced or told anybody. And that's and that's so critical. And I want to make it perfectly clear to your listeners: we never told a single solitary kid you got to get your ham license. And that's the death of any ham radio program in a school. You don't. You just. You, you can't make a ham. However, there is something in amateur radio for everybody. Our QSL card was designed by kids. Never became hams, but they were interested in art. We had a ham radio rapper. We had a kid who who was just. And this was long ago when rap was just coming around. Did ham radio raps? He thought it was just the greatest thing around. And he was. <laughs> and he came to school and behaved. What a great and, idea! And graduated. Uh, which is the name of the game? Yeah. Uh, so what I'm what I, the, the point I'm making is that we we don't we didn't set out to make hams. Although God knows we've made tons of them, but what we did set out to do was to make better kids via amateur radio. Because uh -huh. believe me when I tell you, there is something in ham radio for everyone. Whether it's the code, whether it's the talking, whether it's simply the listening, 
whether it's the art, the music, whatever, there's something there for every kid. Well, that's something that we preach here. That's that's and why we that's call it ninety nine hobbies. Well, that's great. Um, now there there's a, a mention in in this uh, advertisement I'm looking at here about uh, donating used radio gear. Oh yeah, yeah. Can you tell well, me that's about how that? we support ourselves. We support ourselves on 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 that. We also have a membership, and I want to thank the membership because I know a lot of them are listening. They're called the Honor Roll, and they're the people that support us. We also do an ICOM Day raffle. That's on our website, which is a lot of fun. As a matter of fact, what's most fun about it is the drawing. We have a supervisor, uh, our special education supervisor and supporters. <laughs> We're supported by the honor roll, who are people who actually, uh, you know, financially support us. And many have for the last 27 years. We have the, uh, we have the ICOM Day raffle. We do the used equipment, which we pass on to other schools or trade off or, or, or whatever. And uh, lately, for the last five years, which is really exciting, we've been doing a thing called ham radio manuals, where we, we do a manual service. We don't really do too well, but it's a heck of a wonderful project for everybody. And that's... Uh, can I, can I say the website? Yeah, I wish you would, and I'm also going to put it in the show notes so people can click on it. Um, yeah, cool. It's uh, www.hamradiomanuals.com, all one word. Very easy to remember. And then the uh, the main website for... And the main website for us, which you got to go to, and I, that's something I want to talk... How am I doing on time? Uh, we're fine. Okay. The one thing I really want to tell you about is that you should go to our regular web, our main website, which is www.wb2jkj.org. Okay. Now, why should you go there? Well, you should go there because it's really cool, we think. But aside from that, <laughs> what makes it even better, we do a weekly newsletter called Apple Slices. Apple Slices is a, cre- is a creation of the 22 crew. And by the way, I want to clear that up because some people say 22 crew what's that well 22 crew is a lot easier to say than the radio club of junior high school 22 that's a mouthful so we say very simply the 22 crew 22 crew does a weekly newsletter called apple slices which is available on our website all you got to do and so simple is go to www.wb2jkj.com O-R-G, and when that thing opens, you're going to see something that says Current Newsletter. And when you click on the Current Newsletter, it takes you away to another page, which you can read not only the Current Newsletter, but you can go back a long time and see all the old newsletters, which is a lot of fun. Uh, I want to thank WD4DUG, Whiskey Delta 4, Delta Uniform Golf. His name is Mike. He lives in North Carolina. Excuse me, no Carolina. I'm trying to get that right. <laughs> and and Mikey, uh, we call him Magic Mikey because we write we write apple slices here, but he's the one who, and I don't know how he does it, nor do I want to know how he does it, but somehow every Sunday Magic Mikey gets apple slices online for us so the entire world can see what's happening with the 22 crew. And, the, and I, another cool thing about that is I want to point out that down the bottom there's a thing called a cluster map, which I, I find so impressive. You can see actually where in the world Apple Slices is being read. And oh, wow. Yeah, you can go down there, click that map, and you're not going to believe it. I mean, it's, it's an amazing thing. Somebody told it. As a matter of fact, if you just put Apple Slices online, three words, Apple Slices online in your browser, like uh, your uh, 
you know, whatever the thing is on like you. I'm not, we're not, I'm not much with computers. I'm telling you yeah. straight up. I, I am a lot with ham radio, but computers is a new world. I'm still in the world of VIC-20s and Commodore 64, so <laughs> you can figure. But if you put Apple Slices online in that browser thingy and hit go, you will see that we come up number one. We are number one with a bullet. In every one of these, uh, every one of these browsers, and if you hit that, that'll take you directly to Apple Slices online. You don't even have to fool with the web page if you don't want to. That's pretty so interesting. It's an interesting thing, and uh, we we just enjoy it because, as I said, it's it's a great way for uh, keeping everybody around the world, the membership and the friends and the pals and the, the interested parties, up to date on what's happening in the life and times of the Twenty Two Crew. That sounds like a whole lot of fun. Um, sounds like some less some lifetime lessons that are learned by the students and oh, yeah. you know, lifetime uh, friendships. Oh yeah, I can tell you. Know, I mean, there's not enough time, uh, and the, and uh, for us to talk about success stories that have come out of using ham radio in education. Uh, what we do, what we do, is unique in that we never looked at, even though it's even though we call it a club. It's really obviously it's not a club. It's a way of educating young people. Our primary uh, goal, because I was a special, I was, not only was I English, but I was special ed. I was also bilingual, which was really exciting. Uh, teacher, being that I, that a, you know, English is a challenge, little and everything else, but uh, I had kids, uh, Spanish, Chinese, Japanese, Russian, you name it, all in one room at the same time. If you want to have a good time and then try and teach CW, it's, it's, it's like, you can't imagine. I mean, it's it's just a blast, and I I heartily recommend anybody out there listening who's a school teacher, and and wants to do something unique and different, exciting to contact us so we can help you, and get you rolling because you will never regret it. You will help and assist more kids than you can possibly imagine in your entire career, and it's all thanks to Ham Radio. Well, that sounds like a, a noble thing to do, and I, I'm sure that uh, you'll probably get some uh, contacts from people, hopefully listening to this podcast. You're doing a great thing, Joe. Yes, and may I continue one more thing? Sure, of course. Uh, we do a lot of events around the country. Uh, we appear at, uh, in fact, uh, the last one was the Huntsville Ham Fest, uh, where uh, we put on an Educom forum, which was a huge success. That was most recent, but obviously there's plenty more throughout the year and plenty of opportunities to meet us around the country. But one thing that I, I want to talk about is our national teachers meeting. For the last six years, we've been sponsoring a two-day teachers meeting in Las Vegas. You may oh, I saw that on the website, yeah. Yeah, okay. It, first of all, it's a place everybody wants to go to. I mean, this is the city that, a recent poll was taken and we were listening to and said the place everybody wants to go is Las Vegas. Well, I thought everybody wanted to come to New York, but I'm, you know, maybe we're number two. Anyway, everybody wants to go there. We said, well, if we're going to do a teacher's meeting. Where are we going to hold it where people are going to be motivated to go to it? I like the idea of Port Portland, Maine, but, you know, who wants to go there in the winter or the summer or anytime else? It's not that there's anything wrong with that. I enjoy Maine, but it seems like the bigger draw would be Las Vegas. So we said six years ago, Let's do a national teachers meeting away from a ham fest, away from ham activities, where we can get people together in a comfortable setting, in a relaxed setting, and do two days of intensive training and listening and learning, because I go and I learn from the people that come there, 
just as I hope they learn from me and my experiences in the classroom with ham radio. And I really want to encourage people to join us out in Las Vegas coming up in July, and I can pull a flyer out, which I have in front of me right now, and look at it and tell you that that's the wrong flyer, that uh, that's the ICOM Day flyer. Where's the Las Vegas flyer? Okay, Las Vegas this year, 2008, coming up July 12 and 13 at the Plaza Hotel. We do our sixth annual national teachers meeting. And I should probably say international because we've had Canadians last year, so we could probably change that title. Hmm. But uh, it's on the website. I encourage everybody listening, if they have any interest whatsoever in implementing uh, ham radio as a theme for teaching, to come on out to Vegas in July. It's only 117 degrees, but it's a dry heat, so don't worry about <laughs> it. And you'll have a great time and learn a lot. Well, Joe Fairclough, WB2JKJ, I want to thank you so much for uh, taking the time to talk with us here on 99 Hobbies. Uh, sounds to me like uh, we may have to do a follow-up interview and talk about some of these success stories that you were uh, talking about before. How's that sound? Oh, I'd love to do it. I'd love to tell you about the day... Uh, well, never mind. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna keep them on the hook. We'll keep them waiting for the, the part two. How's that? <laughs> okay, Joe. Well, 73. Thanks so much. Roger, Roger. 73.